This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, podcast listener. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 378, recorded on Monday, May the 7th, 2018. Have we changed the pluralization of listeners, or are you referring to the fact that uh, uh, we only have one listener now? <laughs> I wasn't aware of that, but is that what happened? I don't, I don't think we only have one listener, but no, I just I I'm changing the pluralization. Yeah, it's it's like how some people use the word beer without an s on it to refer to plural beers. I drank well, I drank depends, ten beer last right? night. Yeah, I mean beer is. Yeah, beer is one of those funny little things where you can uh, you can drink a whole bunch of beer, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Or you can have a bunch of beers because they're uh, autonomous units when they're in a can or in a bottle. But if they're on tap, it's just beer. Is that the is that the rule? I, I have no idea. Okay. I'm making it up. I don't drink beer. <laughs> well, I know that. I don't have. Be- I've, I don't know if I've ever had beers. <laughs> I I I don't think you have either because I'm pretty sure you're one of the people that I've heard say, you know, I had a couple of beer last night which is weird and i think that's be from like you know back in the day when you used to drink beer and i think that's uh, a result of where you're from i think it's regional but all i'm trying to say is that both sound correct to me and in in my case podcast listeners or podcast listener kind of works the same way right okay so and i've run into something similar uh working with uh, people from uh, great britain uh on you know, coming up with websites and saying uh, what's new mm-hmm. uh, in a website or what's news. What's right? the news? What, yeah, that's the way they would say it in Great Britain, apparently. What's news? The news. This is what is the news, right? What's news? I can't tell if you're talking about new as in recently added or news like what you read in the paper. That it, They're both right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I would <laughs> think of on the website what's new, but... This, you know, British guy that we were working with was convinced that we should label it what's news. And we're like, no, we can't, we can't do that because that doesn't make any sense to us. And he's like, well, I guess if you're all agreeing and I'm the only one that's odd here, then we'll go with that. I I swear to God. I feel like there was a misunderstanding of what you were trying to communicate there. It very well could be. Okay. He's British. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to (laughs) do? All right. Anyways, that's that's a weird start to the podcast. What, of course, we are here to do, actually, is talk about the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead, which was on AMC last night. Fear the Walking Deads. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But first, I just wanted to read a quick follow-up email here from Dennis in Russia. If you recall, last week we announced our Record Your Favorite Scene contest winners, and his entry with his grandmother was one of the runners-up. Right. Is he going to, is he email about his grandma? Yes. Awesome. And it's, Bring it on. it's very quick. Dennis in Russia says, hi, Chris and Jason. How could I forget to mention my granny's name? Thank you for asking. Her name is Olympias. She doesn't know English at all. I wrote Russian letters for her on a paper that sounded similar to English letters and she just read them. That's fucking awesome. Isn't that amazing? I mean, first of all, her name is Olympias, and I apologize if I'm not getting that right, but that's what he wrote down, uh, and I think that's an incredible name. 
first of all. Yeah. It's very Olympian. It is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she doesn't know English. So he just wrote letters that sounded right. And she sounded them out. That's pretty amazing. Yep. That's awesome. I'm so happy that he wrote in. Thank you. All right. Well, Dennis, thanks for that. And uh, appreciate the follow up. And congratulations again to being a runner up and to all of our uh, winners. All right, Jason, it is time to talk about season four, episode four, Buried. You sure it's not buried? I'm sure it's buried. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's spelt buried. That could be another regional thing, but I'm a buried person, not a Are buried you? person, yes. I'm I'm finding I'm saying the word auntie a lot rather than auntie. Well, that's... and I don't know. That's not regional. That's just my own quirkiness. I don't know what's going on. So buried or buried. Anyway, it's buried. I agree looks like buried yeah it kind of does anyways uh this is the fourth episode of the fourth season i'm gonna ask you first um in in general what what did you think of this episode because uh it's a little different than the first three uh and a little bit different than what we've seen on this show before um so so what did you think of the format of this episode and just in your general thoughts meh meh <laughs> one word yeah yeah i it's really kind of weird because the opening title uh, gives you a good idea of what is going to happen in the episode. Well, it, it gives you an idea of what the the feeling of the episode is going to be. Well, and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, look at all that digital artifacting. First thing I thought of was, geez, did iTunes give me a crappy copy of uh, what I bought? Uh-huh. And then I realized, no, this is all going to be about uh, interviews and video. Yeah, and of course you notice that when you're looking through Al's camera, it's square it's four by three whereas right. the actual episode is is wide screen and you know four by three is not square though right i i get it but okay i, I know it's not it's a different aspect ratio <laughs> different aspect ratio uh but you know it's it's um that's what the title <laughs> i screen... like to think of it as dukes of hazard ratio sure that's the, that's the ratio that the dukes of hazard was filmed in because it was back in the day that's right all right well it the title screen was four by three and, you know, all that digital artifacting and stuff, like you said, uh, you're right. That was, I think, a clever way to sort of give us an idea of what this episode was going to be all about. Um, but, of course, it was it was kind of a different format. And what we got here is uh, our, our group in the after timeline traveling along while Althea interviews them all about what led them to that point or or at least the events of one day that they all seem to think led them to that point and i didn't mind that concept for the for the episode but i do think that this one was the weakest of season four so far it was i mean i have some questions but uh i think overall i guess i kind of liked it mm-hmm. but that uh it just it seemed kind of whole hum to me. It's just like, yeah, it was okay. I mean, nothing really happened, but we did get some backstory, but not all of it. And uh, nothing happened in the after timeline, really. It, it's kind of a uh, a pause and a breath after Nick's death. And Nick did die because he got stabbed in the head in this episode. Yes. So that's a pretty indi- good indicator that, uh, well, anyone's dead, really, if you get stabbed right through the brain. Well, generally, yeah. No, you're right. I'm, I, I don't think there was any ever ever any question that that nick was dead um but in in my perspective like what i was saying is i didn't mind the idea of this episode the format of it but the 
the stories that they told or that were told to me had some problems. Uh, all of them had some problems. Uh, not that they were bad and I didn't really dislike the episode. I thought it was okay, but I think the way you said it, it was sort of a stop and take a breath after the events of the previous episode where Nick died, uh, is probably a good way to describe it. Actually, just take a minute and we're going to talk about these other things for a while. Um, before we move on now, were the problems, uh, that you had, were they based on an unreliable narrator type story device or was it actually, you know, the production and the writing of the episode? Uh, for me, I think it was mostly the writing of the episode, but you bring up the, the point that we don't, well, I think what you're saying is that we don't really know if what Strand, Alicia and Lucy was telling Althea is really the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Right. And that, that's kind of a point in the episode. Yeah, I think they're, it's spun because they're trying to manipulate them, right? Right. Because they, they have an agenda that uh, at the time we don't know about. So you have to take that with a grain of salt, that they're, they're maybe using sure. this as a way of, or they were using this as a way of manipulating them. So was what we're seeing in the, uh, in the flashbacks uh, a true representation of what actually happened? Well, let's, or the whole truth, right? I'm, right. I'm, I have no doubt that it is the truth, but it's not the whole truth because obviously we didn't get the whole story yet. Sure. Well, let's let's go through it and and let's see by the end of this podcast if we can come to a consensus on that, or 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 if you can sort of tell me if my problems are related to the actual writing and production of the episode, or if my problems are related to the fact that these characters are telling a version of a story which right. is not necessarily working for me. That might be an interesting thing to look at, but yeah, well, generally I think your problems are due to uh, your childhood. Really? <laughs> sure. It's neither of those things. It's the way I was raised. <laughs> yeah. You know, you spent a lot of time on your bike as a kid, as I re- re- recall, right? I sure did. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's the stem of the problems. You know, if the people aren't riding a bike, maybe you just don't care. Maybe not. Maybe not. That's why I like Steven Spielberg movies so much. That's true. Kids are always riding bikes in those. Yeah, and they even fly on bikes. Sometimes, How awesome is that? Sometimes they fly on bikes. Oh, sorry. Spoiler for E.T. in 1984. Well, you didn't even have to say the movie. Everyone knew what it was. <laughs> it's in the logo for crying out loud. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, I, I just want to have say two things uh, before we get into it. What I want to do, actually, is kind of go through each storyline and talk about each one a little bit, and I can yeah. relate my problems, and you can tell me what you thought. But just before we start that... Um, I realized two things in this episode. Number one, uh, remember last week I was saying that I was already getting tired of Althea's whole journalist thing and her interviewing people and wanting to do that. I realized this week that I don't actually mind watching her do it. I don't, I, I think that that I'm okay with like actually watching on screen, her with the camera, talking to people, getting the stories, sort of interviewing them, the people responding, the actual sort of doing of what she wants to do doesn't bother me. It's when she's talking about doing it (laughs) is what I, I don't like already because the way this episode is framed, of course, as I said, they're driving along, she's interviewing them, the camera's out all the time, she's asking them questions and I didn't mind that stuff. At the end of the episode, when they get out of the truck and it's revealed that they haven't maybe told her the whole story and she's all upset about it, that was the point at which I was like, oh, God, I, who cares? Like, this right. is this is not something I'm interested in. 
So I kind of realized that watching her do her thing is fine, but listening to her talk about it doesn't work for me. And I know that's kind of weird, but what can uh, you do? I think it's okay. I mean, it's like listening to somebody talk about their fantasy football team. I mean, sure, it's fascinating to them, but <laughs> good Lord. You, do you really have to tell me why you did what you the decisions that you made this week? Like to and or going through family photos, like sit going over to somebody's house and you sit down to a slide of their family photos. Right. I mean, sure, it's fun to them to be able to show off what they what they did over the summer, but good lord, it's fucking boring to everybody else. Pretty boring. Seriously. Unless- Sorry if people think that that's fascinating to other people, but it really isn't. <laughs> Unless you were there partaking in it, then that's yeah. different. Photographs are representations of memories, not representations of what you want to show to other people, because other people just don't care. No, for the most part, they don't. So that was the one thing. And then the other thing that I feel like this episode, a big problem in this episode was that I think there were a whole bunch of dumb character decisions in this one. And that is something that, you know, lots and lots of people have accused the Walking Dead main show of of having just characters doing dumb things. But I, but fear, at least in season four so far, I don't think has had that problem as much until now. I think there's some stuff in this episode that I just thought to myself, what are you doing? Like, th- th- this is such obviously the wrong course of action here. Why are you doing that? And we'll get into that a little bit more. But I was worried that that's going to become a problem on this show, too. Uh, and I don't want it to because they've been pretty right. good about that so far. I don't recall. I'm, I'm I'm fascinated to hear what you think are dumb decisions because I I don't really recall decisions being thinking of the decisions being bad or good. But I, I you know I'm like that in everyday life as well. When somebody does something, I don't really judge them on it. I just they they do it and I think that that's fine. I don't think, geez, that's a dumb idea. Why the fuck are they doing that? What an idiot. Well, no, I generally don't do that in real life, but I do that about TV shows sometimes. So what can I say? No, as long as the internal uh, logic is okay in the show, I'm fine with whatever decisions people make. All right. Well, let's get into it a little bit more detailed here. So we have three main storylines. We have the Alicia and Naomi storyline. We've got Strand and Cole doing stuff. And then we've got Nick and Lucy doing stuff. Those are at least the stories that are being told to Althea in the van. So I think the Alicia and Naomi one gets the most screen time of of all three. At least it felt that way to me. So why don't we talk about that one first? Sure. Um, so this one involves her and Naomi going to an old abandoned water park in search of supplies. They make their way up to the top of the water slide tower where it looks like the people who were originally living there had holed up because uh, they'd barricaded the stairs and stuff like that. So that's just dumb decision number one, right? Well, what, to amongst the people that were living there or them to go up top? The two... First of all, climb into the pool and get nice and wet and then try and climb a water slide. Well, like, how dumb is that? They're, the whole design of a water slide is to make it slippery when wet so that you slide down and it's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. So that just seemed like a dumb idea to me. I would have taken the time to fucking go up the barricaded stairs because I don't know if you know this, but stairs are meant to be climbed by human beings, yes. not water slides. Correct. The funny thing about this is the night before, the day before I watched this, I was actually at a water park with the kids. I thought of you. I thought of you. you, uh, I was like, hey, Chris just went to a water park. I wonder how many zombies were there. 
Oh, plenty. You should have seen I'm sure. Them. You should have seen them just <laughs> wandering around this place. But no, I was at the water park in Niagara Falls with the girls the day before, and that was fun. And then we watched this. And so you're right. That whole sequence of them going up there and the way they went about it was the first or the or the biggest problem I had with this whole sequence. Um, but uh, let me just say that I think a water park is kind of a fun location for a zombie show to have a big set piece, but at the same time, it feels a little bit more like it should be in a Dead Rising video game than a serious, you know, survival horror show like this. Right. Because I mean, the it, first thing I thought of was I was going to look for a badly rendered deer. Why they were in a they were well that wasn't a water park that was more of an amusement park that's right and that was an amusement one, park yeah so but yeah that's the first thing I thought I was just like I wonder how everything's going to be rendered when we go take a look at stuff well I just thought oh water park okay maybe this can be fun I gotta let it go but it does feel like a bit of a novelty location if you know what I mean right yeah um, but you know having uh, okay so yeah it is a dumb idea I was just trying to think of the the person that was living up in the perch. Uh, you know that's that's a that's a good way to get up there and then run out of supplies and have no way to get any more because you barricaded the stairs and you they left the slides open like mm-hmm. they didn't barricade the slides at all because why would they because any zombie that's going to try and climb up is going to climb be climbing out of a pool and it's going to be slippery because water slides are designed that way right so why bother doing that because nobody can get up there yeah well okay so the way they went to get up there didn't make any sense to me the water slide terminates at the bottom in a pool of gross water that's full of zombies. Yeah. So what are they, what does Alicia and Naomi do? They, they wade right into the pool and try to kill the zombies in the pool, or at least some of them, and then just avoid the rest of them, climb up onto the slide and try to try to climb up it. Of course. Now it works. However, it was dumb. Like why not stand on the edge of the pool, draw them over to you and sort of kill them slowly from higher ground, clear out the pool, and then go through and climb up the slide. Because yep. it's not as dramatic, right? And I hate thinking well, that while I'm watching. I don't I'm know if it's not it. as dramatic, it's just... Uh, it's less it, risky. It was, it was dumb. Okay, yeah, it was dumb. Right? And and I hate thinking that while watching it, but I'm like, guys, no one in their right mind would just wade into a pool like that and try to kill a few zombies and then get around them to climb up. It makes absolutely no sense. And I didn't even think of the fact that... Um, they were wet and the slides would be slippery. I'm just like, that's stupid. There's a much better, more obvious way to do this. So, uh, it bothered me. Uh, and then when they make it up to the top, you know, they get up there and they just assume everything's fine. They start looking through stuff and they're surprised by a zombie. In fact, so much so that both of them fall down another slide and end up in the, the sort of whirlpool bowl type thing. And I just this thought is, that was This is a great learning opportunity. We know like we know that this is not well actually we don't anymore. This is now as far into the zombie uh, apocalypse as the other show now. We've caught up, right? Cuz friggin' Morgan's there and Yeah, so that's we right. Have to know. That's right. All right. So but I was just thinking this is where the characters learn to make sure they clear a fucking building before they uh, assume that there's no zombies in there cuz they did not do that and they failed yeah but we've seen other characters do that or at least be cautious even even in the nick and lucy story they go into that library and they're cautious they they look around strand knocks on windows and doors and stuff like that we've seen him do that so these characters know to do that but for some reason here 
uh, Alicia and Naomi did not, and yeah. they're surprised by this zombie and end up falling down another slide. Which again, well, they were distracted by the big penis gun, right? Right, where she where she got her her weapon of choice that she used in the previous episode, which was kind of a neat explanation, sure. But it was. But I, if I walked up to a you know walked in somewhere and I saw a friggin' uh, uh, general purpose machine gun on a mount sitting there with like plenty of boxes of ammo and a, like a belt coming out of it. I'm like, holy shit, this is a good find. Yeah, you'd be, I'd be, I'd be a little distracted. You'd be super excited and distracted and end up falling down a slide. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Right. To I'm me, not sure I'd ever go to a water park to begin with. Well, you might have to someday once your did son you is old on, enough. Did you go on the slides? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, you actually did the whole thing. You got wet. You went on the slide. You... Had fun with your daughters? It's Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't... I'm not sure I would do that. Well, you're a bad father. <laughs> well, not yet. <laughs> not soon. <laughs> that's not true. Um, no, it's... That's in the future. That's for a couple of years from now for me to figure that out. It's one of those things where I would never really choose to go there on my own. But once you're there, I don't mind doing it. I don't care. You have fun. The slides are fun. And the important thing is they're having fun. So I do it. Right. Because... You know? Okay, well, maybe that's the thing, because, you know, if I'm going there for me to have fun, I wouldn't go there. But if you can enjoy yourself vicariously through your children, which is a new experience for me, mm-hmm. then uh, maybe things are more entertaining. Well, I'm, I very much do. But anyways, um, the whole thing with them getting surprised by that zombie and falling down the slide, it just felt so contrived to put them in another dangerous situation. And I do think it's kind of entertaining to have them fall into that bowl. I mean, I rode a tube into one of those just the day before, and it was yeah. fun. It's uh, like a gravity well. Right. It's the awesome. Hole, the hole in the middle was not full of zombies, but uh, it, I had a good time riding that tube into that thing. But in this case, yeah, it's just, well, we need, to, we need something here to risk their lives, so let's have a zombie startle them and they fall down. So, so wait, I got to ask, uh, this is one thing that confused me. How does this tube work? Like if you, you're going around and around and around this bowl and then you have the drain in the middle of it, does the water just flow into uh, like a – like what were these zombies standing on yeah. in the middle of this bowl? They, no, well, nothing. It doesn't make sense. It's not a, it's not a vertical drain into nothing. It's a, it's, a, it's a bowl that you go around a few times and then you – and then there's a center um, exit tube that goes down at a steep angle but not straight down. So you're, you're, and, and the one I was at, you don't ride it, um, with nothing like, like a normal water slide. You're in a big dinghy, right? So it's sort of like a dinghy ride almost. So it's a little slower. It's not like the speed demon thing that you would, that we saw here. Uh, well, it's not a, yeah, it's not fast, but I mean, you're going through a, you're going through a tunnel, you come out into this thing, you go, you're going fast. They, they release you at the top of the wall. So you go around a few times and then you slow down, get to the center, and then you go down the center tube and out. It's fun. Right. Uh, Did you but, wear a shirt when you went? Nope. You took your shirt off? Yes. See, I don't know if I'd subject other people to that. Look, man, you just have to think to yourself, I may not want to be walking around here shirtless, but I'm not going to care because, again, having fun with my kid. And that's just the way I see it. Hey, man, I'm not the skinniest guy, but I'm also not the fattest guy there. So I didn't feel so bad about myself. All right. As long as you're not the fattest guy there. <laughs> right? Right. All right. I might have to scope it out to see where I fit on the, uh, what people want to not look at shirtless wise. Hey, man. Because if they're not looking at other people more than they're not looking at me, then that, I guess that's okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm confused by water parks. You've, so I'm glad we're having this conversation. I don't, I don't know if I am. 
<laughs> You've got a few years to figure it out though. Cause he's not quite old enough yet. Your, no, I understand. Your son. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then just moving on here in, in this whole sequence, um, they're up there. They, you know, they escape the bowl. Uh, although we don't see them escape the bowl, they're in there with those zombies. Somehow they get out and get back up to the top. I don't know. Cause there's be almost impossible to climb that slide again. And then, um, basically Naomi betrays Alicia by finding the car keys and tricking her into looking through the binoculars while she escapes. But next thing we know, they're on the ground. So not only did they yada yada over the escape from the bowl, they yada yada over both her and Naomi getting down from that, from that perch. And I just didn't like that. I was like, just tell us this story. Give us the details of what happened here. And I would have been a little bit more okay with it. It felt like there was just bits missing and some of the important things, or at least what I felt like might be important, were not there. Right. Well, a couple things. One, uh, I was very happy to see that uh, the car keys for that uh, vehicle were not in the visors of the uh, of the vehicle because yeah. usually that's 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 the uh, that's the cliche, right? The car car keys are in yep. the visor. So sure. I was very happy to see that. That's fair. That was uh, that was exciting for me. It's like, hey, they're not in the visor. That's great. Uh, two, you got to remember that they're telling like Alicia's telling this story, right? Yeah. So. You know, basically what she was saying at that time was she distracted me by looking through visor visor, and she took off with the keys. Mm-hmm. But I eventually caught up with her at the car because the car wouldn't start. Yep. And, and I, and that does make more sense to me when you, when you frame it like that. But I still, I mean, I was thinking. I would, I would yada, yada, yada over how I got from point A to point B because that's a, that's a, you know, the plot points. I don't think I'd yada, yada over a plot point necessarily, like something that's actually integral to the story I'm trying to tell, but I would yada, yada over, uh, you know, I, I left the house, I got on the subway and I went downtown, right? Just because, uh, you know, there's a, for you, if you said that, because there's no subway near me, but I'm just, I'm thinking of you. If you said you left the house, you took the subway, you went downtown, there's a good 15 minute walk before you get on the subway. You would just like completely would gloss over that. Even though, uh, you know, really it's a boring part of the story. It's like, well, I walked uh, over uh, down this street and then I turned right and I walked down this other street yeah. and I walked past the school and the school was full of kids and there was lots of people playing there. But, uh, you know, it was starting, the sun was starting to set. So I was a little worried that they wouldn't get home. And then I, you know, I turned right and there was this construction that tore down this other house. Uh-huh. And I was wondering how much that, uh, that they, somebody paid for that whole uh, house and yard in this neighborhood just to tear the place. You know, it's really boring. I, I take your point, but. The climbing up, they set up the whole thing with the pool. They climbed up without killing those zombies. So is the only way down that slide? And if it is, now they're sliding down to a pool full of zombies that are crowded around the bottom of the slide. That doesn't feel like an inconsequential detail to me, right? So she went down some other way. Or is there another slide that they went down? Maybe, I don't know. Um, Or did they clear out the stairs so that they could could go up and down the, the stairs? I just feel like I... Those are details that could have been easy, easily explained on screen. I don't know. I mean, there's a movie I just watched uh, about a uh, a group of people that climbed Mount Everest in uh, in the 90s that was recently added to Netflix. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, 
when I think when somebody's telling me the story about how they climbed Mount Everest, uh, they're going to tell the story about the ascent. They're not going to tell me about how they got down. I mean, that's probably a pretty fucking harrowing experience as well, climbing down Mount Everest. But probably. the exciting part is going up Mount Everest and getting to the top and what that was like and how awesome that was. And then yada, yada, yada. A couple of weeks later, I was finally down where I could fucking breathe again. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that that that's fair fair point, but it bothered me. That's all I can say. Like, I, I feel like it was abrupt. They got up there. They put They went through two dumb zombie situations, and then we didn't see anything else after that. Now, what? Naomi's idea to betray Alicia, right? do you think that was her plan all along, or did she make a split-second decision up there when they found, when she found the keys and those medical supplies? I'm not entirely sure she did that. I'm, so this is where it gets into the unreliable narrator thing, right? Mm. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that she, uh, that Naomi betrayed her. I think maybe uh, something else is going on there. So Alicia because was later it becomes apparent later that uh, you know Naomi didn't make it out of the uh, of the stadium, and I don't believe that for a second. Uh, no. Or they also said she's dead, and I don't believe that. Right, they said she's dead. She she didn't make it out, and she is dead. So that I, I feel like that's probably not true as well. So you're saying that Alicia is, you know, she's um, uh, given her own sort of take on this story. And that's what we're supposed to, that's what we're seeing. And I I think she's giving a little bit of a hint that Naomi's a bad guy, right? Because mm. she did these things. She betrayed me by taking off when there's nobody there to contradict her story. So she could use that as a manipulation point. Sure. But the way it ends up, um, according to Alicia is that Naomi changes her mind after Alicia talks to her and comes back to the diamond with all the supplies and wants to set up a, an infirmary. Right. So, I mean, so if, if Naomi did betray Alicia and say, look over there and then take off. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a last minute decision when she found the keys. Yeah. It wasn't something she was planning all along, but we don't even know for sure that, that that's how things played out. Right. Cause if she was planning on betraying Alicia, she would have bonked her over the head long before now. Well, exactly. If you if you tell someone to look through the binoculars, and while they're doing that, you can do a lot of damage by hitting them with something. So yeah, or stab them, or shoot them, or throw them off the edge, or you know, grab them by the collar and throw them down that uh, that slide that goes to the zombie pit. Right, throw them down the zombie slide again. So, uh, so anyways, uh, those were sort of all my problems with this whole thing. All that being said. I I do think a water park is sort of a fun location, but it a little bit feels more like a video game than a TV show. Uh, but if that was the only problem with it, I think I would have been totally on board. So, well, we all, we like it generally when video games cross over with uh, TV shows. Do like we? Video games feel well, yeah. I mean, cinematic uh, video games are always good, and uh, TV shows that uh, I don't know. TV shows that are sort of like video games. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know if there has really been one, but you're right. If a a cinematic video game is just fine, I think a video game TV show is probably not. But there's been video game movies. I'm sure there's a video game TV show somewhere out there. Oh, who knows? I don't know. Like Hardcore Harry. Do you think that'd make a good TV show? Harry or Henry? Henry. Henry? Hardcore Henry. Yeah. Uh, No, but I think it was a much better movie than I expected it to be. Yeah, it was. Okay, let's talk about Strand and Cole. um, Unless you have anything about Alicia and Naomi. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. 
Strand and Cole. I'm looking forward to this one. All right. Strand and Cole. So this one, these guys, they go out to also look for supplies. Everyone on this day goes out on a run. And they go to a greenhouse looking for stuff. And then Strand takes Cole to a a secret stash of supplies that he's put in a car somewhere and tells him that they can just leave and survive on their own because the the diamond is running out of resources really quickly. Um, and that's sort of the extent of this one until, again, uh, Strand changes his mind. Basically, Cole says no, then Strand changes his mind and comes back to the diamond with all the supplies. Anyhow, um, this one started with fairly quick zombie fight in the greenhouse zombies with uh, cactus quills are they called quills on a cactus spikes <laughs> cactus, uh, spikes? cactus spines maybe uh, stuck all over them and i thought yeah. that was kind of cool it was a decent little zombie fight to start thing nothing too special did you get catch what cole said at the end what did he when say when he finally <laughs> he was all he had like the uh, a bunch of stuff sticking out of him and as he was standing up he said pricks <laughs> no i did not catch that but that's funny. Uh, hilarious <laughs> he's a funny guy that cole yeah that was the best part of the whole show in my opinion okay pricks uh <laughs> but i thought it was i thought the zombies looked cool with the, the pricks sticking out of their face and uh cole close call for cole until strand saved him but this i thought that was, was kind of cheap like the the different kind of zombies with uh you know something different yeah, uh, I I didn't really buy it that uh, zombies would, because the the things on uh, on cactuses cacti cactus cacti cactuses cacti, 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 cacti yeah. they're not meant to come off like a porcupine quill, right? No. Porcupine quill. As soon as you touch them, they have the little barbs that are meant to dig in and discourage your dog from actually sniffing around, and uh, it's a pain in the ass to get them all out, and that's supposed to teach them a lesson. Don't go near a goddamn porcupine, mm-hmm. right? Whereas cactus side, cacti, cacti, uh, they're just spiky things to stay, you know, stay away from me. They don't break off necessarily. They're, they, they start off thicker. They're really in there pretty good, right? Yep. In, into the cact- cactus. So they don't really break off. So the fact that all these zombies had uh, cacti pricks uh, sticking out of them, it didn't make any sense to me. And I thought it was kind of stupid. Okay, I can see that. I thought they looked sort of cool, and I was going, you know, looks cool over reality. Okay, why not? Yeah, if if they were fighting a group of zombie hedgehogs, then yeah, that would make a lot of sense. But just these uh, these pointy things sticking out. Now, granted, I don't live anywhere where cactus cacti are, you know, actual natural. I've owned a cactus every now and again. Uh, I don't know what happens to them. They just kind of go away. They never die because they don't die. They're cacti. <laughs> uh, they get either given away or they disappear. I don't know what happens to them, but I've owned one every now and again. And those little spiky things don't come up. Well, you've never right? stuck your face in it, though. Well, no, I've never stuck my face in it. But you know, I'm you know I've been near them. I've had sure. cats and cacti in the same room at the same time, and you know they don't come at me with the spikes sticking out of them because I've had some pretty dumb cats. Sure. If I had a cat and a hedgehog or a cat and a uh, uh, porcupine, uh, there'd be little spikes sticking out of the cat, right? Probably, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I just, I had a problem with these. It seemed like it was a cheap, um, let's give you a different type of zombie 
uh, and how can we give you a different type of zombie? It was like in the big show where we had the uh, the radioactive waste zombies. It right. was kind of on par for that, in my opinion. Right. We need something new, so let's do it. Granted, we did get the line pricks at the end, which kind of, it made me laugh. I enjoyed it. Sounds like so, it made it worth it for you. I don't know if it was worth it, but it was funny. All right. Well, this whole run though at least a good chunk of it for me was about how strand has as he said done things Uh, you know a sentiment that we've all heard before everybody has done things to survive terrible horrible awful things um and then so that didn't feel like it was anything new to me and then he he shows cole this piece of rock that we saw uh in a in a previous episode as well and he says it reminds him of what kind of person he still is. Um, right. And, 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 or, or, or does he say it reminds him of the kind of person he was? I, I don't remember exactly, but you know, I think what he was trying to say there is I hold on to this rock because it, re- I think it's a piece of the dam. And, you know, he did some things at that dam, which were not very friendly. He kind of betrayed his friends a little bit. And the meaning I took from it was he holds this piece of rock to remind himself that he doesn't want to be that kind of person anymore. Right. Then, uh, you know, moments later, it's revealed that he's been keeping a secret stash hidden away from his friends and he wants to flee and leave them to die. And I'm like, okay, well, that rock's not doing its job because clearly you still are that kind of person. (laughs) So which way is it, Strand? You can't have your cake and eat it too, buddy. Yeah, never underestimate the human ability to delude oneself. Sure. As to your uh, you know, who you want to be and who you think you are when you're actually somebody else. Yeah, he's he's all over the place here, I thought. And so not only was I like, okay, great, you've done things. We've heard that before. You're trying to be a better person. This rock is trying to remind you of what you did in the past that makes you not a great person. Uh, but clearly it's not working because you're betraying your friends again. And he's just looking for a new boyfriend, right? Yeah, I know. But the whole thing just made me disappointed with Strand's character a little bit because they're, they could have gone either way, you know, like commit to one of them. And maybe you could argue that they're committing to the fact that he actually is a better person because he came back. He didn't run off. He decided, Only because he got caught. Well, he didn't, he, the only reason he came back is because Cole basically said, fuck you, that, you know, we need that shit. What the hell's the matter with you? I'm not going with you, you stupid jerk. Yeah. And then took off. And Strand is like, shit, he's going to tell on me, isn't he? Right. And so they're going to see me as a bad person instead of just thinking that I disappeared. And I can't let them think that I'm a bad person. And, and does, uh, that so make gotta, it, does that make it worse or better? I mean, from a character standpoint, I don't. Oh, it's worse. Yeah. He, he's always been self-centered. He, in a way... He has been, like, since day one, the only reason he wanted Nick around is to further his own agenda. Sure. Even though, you know, despite his best efforts to be a self-serving prick, he's actually uh, kind of a nice guy anyway. Well. He's kind of, he's a weird character. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit, he is a little bit weird. And I I don't know, like, he's, I, I can't figure him out. I'm I'm all for a character trying to change and to redeem themselves and i just don't know what is going on with strand anymore because uh, i'm not sure like you said 
now. I'm not sure if he went back only because he realized that Cole was going to rat him out or if he's going back because he really did feel bad and he wants to, and he's, you know, trying to be a good person. That's interesting if he's trying to do that, but I don't know which it is. And I, I, I don't feel like this scene gave me enough to, to get there. And maybe it's not supposed to, maybe there's more coming up. Right. But, uh, for now the whole thing, I, I, I just felt sort of disappointed in strand in a way. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it is confusing. And then the other thing is how does this jive with your idea that this is a version of the story that is being told by strand? He certainly doesn't, he certainly doesn't put himself in a very good light here. No. And that's, yeah, I agree with you. I hadn't really thought about that aspect of this when uh, when I was thinking about the unreliable narrator thing. Uh, you're absolutely right. If he was telling a story that was at least a little fabricated, he would have come off in a better light than this. Yeah, he would have. It would have been Cole who was the guy who was running away. Strand convinces him not to. Kind of like the Alicia and Naomi uh, plot line, where yep. it's Naomi that's going to run. Alicia kind of thinks about it but then says no let's let's go back so strand and cole yeah i this this a lot of it didn't work for me very well yeah i I agree with you there all right so nick and lucy this one i think got the least amount of time of the three although maybe not that much more than strand and cole but they go out uh on a run looking for supplies just like the other two they end up in a library and nick says they're there looking for stuff for Charlie, like books and things, which I guess is kind of sweet, but also, you know, that sort of thing you'd think would have to take a backseat to finding food. <laughs> you would, and you'd think that they'd have better luck uh, breaking into a library that didn't have all the books stolen? Like, what the fuck? We're, well, there weren't that many books around. Yeah, that's that's true. Who would steal all the books out of a library in the zombie apocalypse? Well, that's like two or three truckloads of books that somebody walked out of there with. Well, yeah, that does seem a little odd. Uh, I did appreciate, again, Nick's point about building a library. I mean, those things can be important, but you have to take care of the essentials first. And I think food is kind of Trump's library books yeah. <laughs> when you're trying to survive. Food, shelter, sex. There you go. And then books. Wasn't there somebody's hierarchy of needs? Uh, probably, yeah. Is, there, yeah. Is sex the third one on that? I don't know. But it's up there. <laughs> it's I would assume. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the whole thing, this whole thing, it just felt like a big excuse so they could go into a library and find that map book. It was, again, a bit of a contrived story to give them a different reason to run away. And in this case, it was finding a map book, opening it to a random page, pointing and going, just getting away. Uh, so can we talk about the librarian zombie AV guy for a second there? Yeah, sure, sure. What about what him? What the fuck? Like, this guy didn't make any sense. First of all, his clothes were too big. Uh, second of all, his haircut, he had to rethink that before he died. Uh, and third of all, why was he tied with, like, audiovisual cables to the audiovisual cart? Did he tie himself there for protection? Well, Did somebody I, else tie him there before he died? No, I don't think I don't think it's important what he was tied to. At least I didn't notice really that in the in the episode. But they showed the wrist slits, so that guy killed himself. And so I think what happened, or what we're supposed to believe happened, is that guy decided lost all hope 
and tied himself to that thing and then killed himself by slitting his wrists and he tied himself up so that he wouldn't like walk away and hurt anybody else. Right. What I didn't understand. So he was an idiot on top of all that uh, bad clothing and haircut. Yeah. The haircut was weird too. The clothes I didn't really notice, but the thing I did notice too was this weird bloody trail of books leading up towards the librarian zombie. And I didn't really understand what that was all about. Like that seemed strange like a trail of books covered in blood it wasn't a long trail but they kind of came out in front of him i didn't really get that that, seem, that seemed like a video game oh maybe that, yeah something you would you would encounter in a tomb raider type video game it's like oh there's a trail of books there i wonder what the mystery is in this room and what puzzle i have to solve here well i don't know i i just didn't really get that the zombie itself i feel like that's its story what's the point i i don't know um, but Nick and Lucy are, are looking to run away, or at least she is until they decide that they open a page of this map and they notice something on there where they can get all sorts of fertilizer and seeds and use that stuff to, uh, um, replant the food, replant the garden back at the diamond. What did they see it? They pointed, they opened a random page and pointed to uh seed town. I guess so. Nebraska. Something like that. I don't know. But again, for me, I was thinking, isn't that the first thing you would think of when the crops fail? It's like, oh my God, the crops are failing. Let's try again. Like we can get new seeds. We can get new fertilizers. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Burn all the goddamn weevils. Start over. And yeah. And we saw Nick doing that. We saw him chopping in the last episode, chopping down the, the plants and burning them. So he had the right idea. It was just. They needed all three of these stories to involve our characters like bailing out of the situation, but changing their minds and coming back and apparently doing the right thing. Right. And in all three cases, um, for the most part, I think it was a little bit nuts and didn't totally work. Uh, Strand changes his mind, apparently convinced by maple syrup. Right, he looks back in the car, and the maple syrup is there, and he's like, "Oh, I got to take this back to them." <laughs> well, yeah, because maple syrup is like gold. It's like gold, exactly. Like, what's-his-name says out in the parking lot to Madison, you run out of the condiments first because you're trying to mask the taste of the gross food you're eating. Yeah. Right? And, you know, and that's that's the beauty of mustard, and it has zero calories. I know. Mustard is amazing. Uh, Nick and Lucy decide to get more seeds, like I said, but I still think this is dumb because that's the first thing you would think of. Uh, and then Naomi, as I said earlier, brings back supplies and the vehicle and wants to set up an infirmary. So... We are shown in all of these uh, scenarios, the character making the sort of quote unquote right decision. I think it's hard to argue that they don't make what you could say is the right decision. Um, But as they tell the story in the back of that van to Althea, they all say they made the wrong decisions and that they claim that their decisions to be hopeful, basically, is the reason Nick is dead. So I'm a little worried that the show is not going to be able to back this up. Oh, it's just going to be a herd that runs over the, uh, the stadium. Sure. But that's a correlation causality problem. Like these decisions were not the wrong decisions because of whatever happened after them, unless somehow these decisions directly caused the fall of the, the diamond, which can be directly related to whatever happened between Nick and Ennis 
and resulted in Charlie shooting him. <laughs> like, there's yeah. there's no way that these decisions made by these characters are the cause of Nick's death. Right. And this is the same argument argument I made a couple of weeks ago when you go to a casino and you've lost most of your money at the uh, at the craps table, and what you do is you bet the rest of your money on uh, on a single throw of the dice, and uh, you throw the dice and you win, and you've gotten all your money back and then plus some. That doesn't make that last gambling decision a good decision. It just makes it the decision that caused the uh, that resulted in a good outcome. It's still a bad decision. Right. Exactly. Right? But I don't even think you can you can say that much about these things. Like these decisions are, like these decisions are the, in my opinion, and I think almost everyone ag- would agree that they are the the good decision. They're the right thing to do. Don't abandon your friends. Help them. Um, yeah. Come up with solutions to your problems that don't involve running away. Um, hey, man, I'm, I'm I'm not even saying that in some scenarios running away isn't the right decision, but in this case. Everybody did the right thing, and now they think that it's the wrong thing because they say it led to Nick's death. And I just don't think the show is going to be able to back that up. Yeah. I, That's my I problem. I think this is actually a common problem that we as a society have uh, in that you think that when something bad happens that it's because of the decisions that you made. And it's not necessarily the case. Just because you make a series of decisions and something bad happens doesn't mean the decisions are the cause of that bad thing. Right. If you take enough steps back, you can tr- you can actually ultimately blame yourself for anything. Uh, you know, a house blows up because of a gas leak. It's like, well, if I hadn't have moved into that house, it would never have blown up. Right. And, and killed my dog. Or if I had never woken up on that one Sunday uh, 17 years ago and gone and met my, uh, you know, seven people that ultimately resulted in me meeting the person that I bought the house with, then the house wouldn't have blown up. It's like, no, meeting those people does not have anything to do with the house fucking blowing up, you right. shithead. Your house <laughs> blew up. That's a shitty thing. If you didn't. Uh, you know, pay for maintenance, knowingly knowing full well that that could be that could cause an, an explosion, and maybe you got some blame there. But sure, uh, you, if you take enough steps back, you can blame yourself for anything. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah. But anyways, I I just don't think it's going to work. I don't think this is going to work on this show. These are interesting stories, and uh, despite them, maybe they could have told them a little bit better. Uh, I just don't see how the events of this one day can really live up to what the show is kind of claiming they do. So, hey, man. Well, the writers have to have something in mind, right? You I can't know. just think that they are, like, you just, just because you can't see it doesn't mean they can't pull it off. Absolutely. I'm just skeptical right now that they'll be able to pull it off. That's all I'm saying. And I hope they do. I hope all of this comes together, clicks into place, is perfect, is totally bulletproof, and everything works out great for the show. But I can't see it yet, and I'm okay. skeptical that it's possible. All right, so I think maybe you need to align your expectations somewhere between those two extremes. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think that they're going to at least try and pull it off, and they will to some extent. I don't think it's going to be perfect and bulletproof, and you're going to love it, and you're going to do a happy dance and uh, you know jump around your house and go, hooray, the Fear the Walking Dead is the awesomest show that I ever saw. But, but uh, I want to do a happy dance, I know Jason. you want to do a happy dance. You can okay. do a mildly amused dance if you'd like. All right. So I'll give you that, but that's that's what you should expect. I just think you need to align your expectations a little bit uh, between those two extremes. Okay, they they have a plan. 
They can't just do this willy-nilly and then paint themselves in a corner and go, fuck, what do we do now? Well, <laughs> I mean, sure, they've done that in the past, yeah. but you think they'd learn from their mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And and I know. I know you're absolutely right. They They definitely have a plan. They're telling a story, and this is how they've chosen to do it. I'm just... You know, I, 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 I'm worried. That's all. I'm worried that it's going to be way worse than like way. I'm worried that it's going to tip way to the crappy side and, and rather than tip sort of towards the, the good side. Right. Yeah. Well, I hope that you don't end up on the crappy side of the teeter totter. Yeah. That's the problem. You never want to be on the crappy teeter totter side. Yeah. Or the fuzzy end of the lollipop. Oh God. That is not where you want to be. So. Um, where do they end up after all of this though? They, it turns out that the gang has ended up at a cache of weapons that they, they knew about. Um, we haven't seen this before, have we? This weapons cache they, they have buried? No. Not, not that I know of. So, um, I was a little, I was wondering about that sort of like, you know, what's the deal? I guess they stored some weapons there just in case they need them, buried a box of weapons. And they also decide to bury Nick there. But it does seem like uh, Morgan, who hasn't said much in this episode, is the only one who is concerned with actually giving Nick a proper burial at this point. Well, everybody else is pissed off or doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So it's lucky he's there to sort of remind them what they're actually supposed to be doing. Well, Morgan's a good moral compass, right? He's always been a good moral compass. I guess so. Yeah. He's a little extreme on the morality. He goes one way or the other. But lately, he's been... Well, he's crazy, but... Sure. Moral. <laughs> I guess so. Lately, he's been a little bit better, I think. And I'll be honest, I've I've still really enjoying Morgan on this show, and I think moving him to fear was the best thing that they've done in a while for the character. It, it is. You know? I agree. Uh, let's talk about John Dory. We learned that he used to be a police officer. Which was very entertaining. Yeah, it's certainly entertaining, if not interesting. Um, I don't think it means anything, but, you know, we've seen police officers on this universe before <laughs> doing yep. stuff. And it was revealed that Laura is Naomi. No, not necessarily. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean? We know that this is Laura's bag. That's all we know. And that we assume that Naomi is Laura because Naomi has Laura's bag. Okay. Naomi may just have Laura's bag. Okay. And inside this bag is a gun with JD on it. So when we see her in the diamond unwrapping that gun, uh, it could be just a bag that she stole or found on a dead body somewhere and she's just going through it. Remember, she's from another failed community, right? And she grabbed some shit when she left that failed community. That failed community may include somebody that's named Laura. But then friggin' John Dory says she never told me her name. Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me either. Like, Naomi, Laura. You just made up the name Laura? Like, what the hell, dude? Well, I, I, I don't, I no longer think I have any idea what this relationship was like because, yeah, he's, I assumed, or it, it seemed very clear to me that he was in love with her and she didn't feel the same way and decided to leave. Um, but if he doesn't know her real name and the way he said that, it's almost like he knew that she never told him her real name. So I don't, I don't understand what the dynamic is between those two anymore and why he's so obsessed with finding her at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to bring this back to lost. Is that okay? 
I, I don't usually do. Why not? Yeah. So the first thing I thought of when uh, he said she never told me her name was, do you remember when, uh, in, I forget what season, it was season three or season four, when we know, we find out that Christian Shepherd, Jack's, uh, Jack's father met, uh, damn it, what was her name? Lucia, Anna Lucia? Okay, sort of, yeah. And he hired her to uh, to be a bodyguard because she was a police officer. And when they met, they said no names. And uh, he, Christian picked a name for her, and then she picked a name for him. So maybe when John Dory met this person that didn't know their names, uh, he said, I'm going to call you Laura. And she said, I'm going to call you Jimmy. <laughs> right? Okay. And then they picked each other's names to make sure that their names were, they they didn't have any way of finding out what each other's names were. That was the first thing I thought of. Interesting. So uh, why would he not know her name and call her Laura? It doesn't make sense. Having said all that, Jason, do you really believe that Naomi is not Laura? No, not in, not for a second. Neither do I. I think it's her. And I just think there's a logical gap in there. We're making an assumption that the bag, who's Laura's bag, belongs to Laura and Laura had it up until Laura didn't have it anymore. Right. The The thing about, here's the funny thing about Naomi being Laura for me, is that y- you're you're right. We don't really know for sure. It's just a bag. Um, but I always, like, that was the first theory that popped up. When Naomi was introduced on the show and John Dory was introduced talking about this Laura woman, we're like, ah, oh, that's probably it. And that's what everyone thought. But in my mind, I was like, that's just too obvious that can't be real it's it's so you expect it so much that it just there's no way they would do that because everybody and their dog sees it coming and i started wondering is there a word for that something that seems so obvious you don't think it could be true is there is there a word that describes that situation uh too good to be true it's a phrase yeah i guess kind of but I, I, something that's so, you, you, something that in a dramatic or a television show or a movie that you think is so clearly, um, telegraphed or obvious that you think there's no way they could possibly do that. And then if they do, like, you just can't believe it. But I don't know. That yeah. sort of, that experience, I was wondering if there's a way to describe that in a word, but I'm not sure there is. There's um, a, there's a, there's a, the only thing I can think of that has any kind of correlation to that is, uh, there's a theory that people can't see something that is so far out of their realm of experience that uh, it doesn't make any sense. So their brain just shuts it out and doesn't see it. And uh, there was uh, uh, t- tales of ships showing up to the New World, the Americas, and uh, you know parking with their anchors. What do you call that uh, when you put a sh- anchor down in the ship and you stay there. It's not park. Right? Drop anchor. <laughs> Drop anchor uh, outside of uh, offshore of someplace. And, uh, you know, Native Americans or other people living uh, on the shore at the time didn't see the ships because they were so far out of their realm of experience that it didn't make any sense to them. So they just did not see them until people showed up on the shore and said, we came from that ship over there. And they're like, oh, crap, I didn't see that. Because they weren't expecting it, right? So there's there's a concept of, uh, you know, you, you take that to the extreme. Aliens might be here right now, just we can't see them because our brains won't accept the fact that they're there. 
interesting. I can see that. I'm, I, that's, that seems like a difficult thing to, uh, prove at least about the, about the, the native Americans not seeing the ships. I mean, I feel like there's a way to do an experiment that would sort of lead to that conclusion now, but I don't know. You've seen illusionists at least on TV. Yeah. Right. Penn and Teller or Siegfried and Roy or, uh, what have you. I love Penn and Teller. They rely on these concepts that human beings expect things and you mm. have to do something uh, to get outside of their realm of experience so that they don't expect it anymore. And it's distraction and it's, uh, you know, they're so good at it and it's so secretive that they have this understanding of human nature that they're just not sharing with the world. And that pisses me off so much because I just want to know. And it's not <laughs> the kind of thing you can just pick up in a book or read on friggin' Google or YouTube something. You can YouTube basic illusions, but you know, Penn and Teller are so far above and they just, they know something about human nature that they're just not telling everybody and it pisses me off. Yeah, I agree with that, but that's not exactly what's going on here. I just think, no, I just think this is like, they introduce these two characters. You think, oh, well, that's obviously Naomi. Why would he be looking for someone else? He, why would he mention her if he's never going to find her? So it's gotta be Naomi. It's just so obvious we can't see it. It's yeah, it's so obvious. Well, I can see it, but I don't we believe dismiss it. I dismiss it. Right. But in, it's the same thing with the ships. You see it. But it's just so obvious and so uh, outside of your realm of experience yeah. that you just dismiss it. Anyways, um, I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I do think if they play this out and it actually is Laura, Naomi, it feels a little too coincidental, but whatever. Maybe they'll do it really well. Uh, maybe Madison is Laura. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That would at least, I wouldn't have seen that coming until you just said it. <laughs> right. Well, I can tell you that it's probably not Nick. Right. Nick is not Laura. No, I don't think so. Um, John Dory would have recognized him. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Anyways, the whole point of all of this, I think, was to give John Dory a reason to enter this fight or, or stay in this storyline. Um, because I feel like he's a little, been a passenger a little bit until now. Very cool character, but he's just kind of going along with them always wanting to do his own thing, but never quite taking the first step on his own to do it. And maybe he was getting there because he had that conversation with Morgan, right? About when all this is done, you're just going to leave. Right. And I feel like he was telling Morgan, I want to go with you. I don't want to continue hanging out with these weirdos. I want to go with you. Maybe you'll help me find Laura, but now Naomi is Laura. So he stays involved in this. And the whole point of this was just to keep him around. Um, I don't know. That John being, Dory seems like he, the kind of person that doesn't have any self-will. Yeah, a I little told bit, you about yeah. my friend who doesn't have any self-will. He'll just do whatever anybody tells him to do. Right. He'll just do it. Yeah. No questions, no thinking about it. It's just if you tell him to do something, he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Well, John Dory, does he does feel a little bit like that, yeah. But, you know, having said that, that they want to keep him in the story, they do leave him and Morgan on the side of the road and drive off without them at the end. So, you know... I don't know. He's not going to be involved in whatever the very next thing that they get into is. Uh, but we'll see. We will see. Yeah. I still love the character though. And I still want to see a show about him and Morgan and uh, Althea traveling around the planet, you know, doing stuff. Sol- solving crimes. Solving crimes. Exactly. <laughs> so the only other sort of plot to this episode was... Madison and Mel, the leader of the vultures who's hanging around out there, 
what do we learn about Mel? He says that he is a forter, former cattle rancher and he was living on the ranch with his family, but they were threatened by fire and he convinced his family to stay because he thought they could ride it out. But it turns out the ranch was destroyed and him and Ennis, his brother Ennis were the only guys, the only people that survived when the ranch was burned to the ground by forest fire, I guess. Ennis? Yeah, well, they they said Ennis in the episode, but you're right. I still believe it's Ennis. We can still call him Ennis if you want. Yeah. Uh, So we find out sort of that little backstory on him. And then um, him and, you know, Madison are having this conversation. And I thought they had one of the dumber exchanges at this point where I think he says uh, first, you know, my offer still stands. and it turns out that they kind of have the same offer for each other. Yep. Uh, Madison wants them to join her because she says we can work together. We can, you know, build up this place. We can all live in peace. We can share resources, things like that. And he's like, no way I would never do that. And his offer is sort of the same thing. It's like, you know, you're going to fail here anyways. So why not join our group? and do the same thing, which kind of felt sort of dumb to me. Both of them are like, they kind of want the same thing, but they can't agree how to do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the, that seems like human nature to me. I guess. Join my team. We're doing the right thing. You guys are fucking idiots. No, I can't do that, because you guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like everyday life. Yeah, I haven't met a person that doesn't subscribe to this kind of thing yet. I suppose, but, you know, in the zombie apocalypse, maybe they could find some middle ground. I don't know. Yeah. See, like, with you, I can't understand why you like uh, multiple, multi-flavored beverages. Uh-huh. Like you, you have, like, cherry Coke or strawberry cherry vanilla Coke or whatever the hell it is. I'll drink a, I, they used to have, they may still have it, I don't know, the cherry vanilla Coke, and I used to have one of those once in a while. See, I don't, I don't like mixing flavors. You're nope. an idiot. You should come over to my side and just drink single flavored beverages. Well, I like those too, though. All right. See, I win. <laughs> <laughs> if only or you do and I you win. Yeah, one of us does. If only you and I were Madison and Mel, you'd see yeah. that we'd be on the same page. Yep. So that's the episode, more or less. Uh, for me, I didn't think any of the stories that we got told in this episode really worked 100%. And I'm a little bit worried that they're not going to be able to resolve them or or at least kind of pay them off in a satisfying way as the season goes on. So maybe these stories will prove in the end, Jason, to sort of be somewhat inconsequential to the greater story that they're trying to tell. And I might be okay with that. Uh, I just hope that these don't, we're not, I just hope that the whole season doesn't hinge on these stories that I feel like don't right. work very well. That's my biggest problem. Yeah, I can uh, I can see that. I you think that if this whole episode was inconsequential, that you'd be okay with it? Did I hear that right? Well, I less consequential maybe. I don't want an episode to be completely useless and meaningless. And I do think there are some things we can take away from what we saw here. But but if but if the unreliable narrator problem that you mentioned at the beginning. Or, or if that's what they were going for here, it, 
I just feel like it's it's wasted time in a, in a way a little bit if these stories yeah. are kind of meaningless and and I don't think they're going to be I just I don't know I some of them I just can't see how they're really gonna to work out in the right. end yeah and you know now that we've gone through uh the whole episode I don't think the unreliable narrator thing is a thing here. Uh, I thought maybe it was, but after talking through the different uh, the different stories, it doesn't make a lot of sense anymore. And if it is true that it's an unreliable narrator story, they didn't pull it off. Yeah, I I, so, I don't think they did. They, yeah, so they fucked it up either way. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, a, a little speed bump on an otherwise awesome season so far. Uh, all we can do is hope next week they, they sort of get back on the road and keep this car driving straight <laughs> or right. whatever. <laughs> or follow the road because the road might turn, right? So well, yeah. you have to, you have to do what the road dictates. Yes, you do. Uh, so let me, let me ask you this. The name of the stadium, do you know what it is? I, I did, but off the top of my head, I can't remember it. Cause, uh, at the beginning when they were all sitting around, uh, at the stadium, they had a bunch of mugs, and each of the mugs had an A in a circle, which we've seen on other episodes before. What? Really? Yep. Wow. That's crazy. Um, so I'm thinking maybe the stadium, it was a stadium logo, or they got the mugs from somewhere, but there was uh, there was at least three or four mugs that uh, had an A with a circle in it, or an A in a side of circle. The real life name of the stadium is the Dell Diamond Baseball Stadium. Right. So Dell, I assume, is naming rights Dell the company. And so I don't know what an A would mean. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting that the mugs had an A on them. Huh. Yeah, that is that is interesting. We've seen that a lot in the other show. So maybe it's product placement and now they're going to uh sell these mugs for Fear of the Walking Dead mugs on one side with an A on the other. Yeah, why not? They probably will. <laughs> they make mugs out of everything. There's a million different Walking Dead mugs, so why not fear the Walking Dead mugs? Well, uh, that's that. Let's hope that uh, next week we get back on track. Uh, or this episode will prove to be just sort of the backstory to something that is really amazing that's coming up that I can't even fathom yet. I don't know. That's what I think. All right. Well, well uh, let's hope. At the very least, John Dory has both his guns back. Or he'll be getting it. Yeah. No, he they, the backpack. It was in the, it was in the, in the backpack, in uh, Laura's backpack. When he said, "Hey, that's Laura's backpack," and he pulled out the unwrapped the gun. Right after Naomi did it in the flashback, he he did it in the uh, the after. Right, and uh, now he has both his guns. Boy, he's gonna be twirling and shooting. He's gonna be the freaking gunslinger for sure now. Yeah, yo, no, you're right, you're right, absolutely. He has both. And next week's episode is called uh, Laura, I think. So it's oh, yeah? it's going to be all about him, and we find out what is going on with him and who Naomi actually is and all that. So that's like in lost when, uh, when they named the episode, what Kate did. Right. And we're like, well, I wonder what's going to happen in that episode. We're going to find out what Kate did. <laughs> and then this one, we're going to find out the story behind Laura, I assume. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. All right. Uh, that's it for this episode. Jason, let's do a little bit of listener feedback and then call it a night. Groovy. Listener feedback. Okay, uh, I'm going to start here with a call from Ken. Yes, Chris, Jason, this is Chris. No, just playing. This is Ken coming to you from the horse capital of the world, Lexington, Kentucky. 
Jason, I know you're familiar with the place as well. But I like to submit possible scenario for Althea and her tapes. Could it possibly be that she possibly interviewed Abraham and Eugene while they were walking across the United States? I don't really remember if they were kind of secretive on their mission, but probably Abraham, Eugene talked to her about what his mission was and how he was going to try to get them to to D.C. for the cure. We all know it's a lie now, but maybe Athea wants that on record. Um, So if something was to go wrong, that somebody else could pick it up or or something to that effect. But I thought that would be a cool crossover effect if they were to implement Abraham and Eugene uh, being uh, interviewed by Althea. Thank you, Ken, for that. Um, it, it, he, it, his message goes on a little bit, but he starts talking about Game of Thrones. So I thought I'd save that for <laughs> when we start a Game of Thrones podcast, Jason. Yeah. Well, when the show's over, we can start a podcast. Sure. Why not? Um, but I, I thought this was an interesting idea. We know that Abraham and Eugene and Rosita traveled through potentially this part of the United States. And what if they ran into Althea back then and she has them? On tape, that would be super weird and kind of a fun little thing. I think. I think it would be interesting to just see Eugene's interview or a portion of it. Or this is actually a thought that occurred to me uh, a couple of episodes ago, or it, maybe after the uh, the premiere. So we used to have webisodes of Fear the Walking Dead between uh, seasons or during uh, mid season breaks right yeah we've had those for both shows yeah and there's a series out now that you and i haven't watched and maybe in the off season we should watch and talk about okay i just thought that uh, maybe these interview tapes would make an interesting web series because you could just have uh you don't have to have the actual actors from the show you just have you know watch an interview five minutes of an interview of somebody that uh, althea's taping actually that's a really cool idea i mean just a, a short um little vignette almost of somebody's tale of survival, right? You don't even have to have her in it. It's just the view through her camera and someone talking and telling what they've done. That's kind of cool. And then you throw in Eugene as the, uh, as the highlight of the webisode series, uh, the web series where he's just talking about, uh, you know, all, even if you just go into his bullshit about, we're trying to get to Washington DC, there's, uh, you know, some all kinds of good shit going up there and he's all spewing in Eugene, Eugenisms, Eugenisms. That sounds weird. No. Anyway, just sort of sounds like jism. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think you could have probably just let it go, but hey. It's not, <laughs> when do I let things it's not, go? Not in your nature. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I thought that would be an interesting way to go. And when, yeah, absolutely get uh, some of the, some of them in there and having Eugene or Abraham. Abraham's too big of an actor. It would just be Eugene, I think. Well, I, I don't know about that, but I like that idea. Just have some random characters that she's interviewed that tell an interesting sh- story. Very short. doesn't Shouldn't be long because it'll grow tedious. <laughs> but yep. then, yeah, sprinkle in a Eugene or sprinkle in an Abraham or a Rosita because they, you know, were down there at one point, I assume. And we don't even know how far Althea has traveled. Maybe she's traveled all over the place, right? And she's encountered all kinds of people. So... Yeah, um, Spain. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, when Chernobyl, <laughs> when she was in uh, Japan, I mean, I'm sure she encountered lots of fun people there. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, Walking Dead producers, that's a good idea. Run with that. You're you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a joke about Chernobyl. Uh, are you sure that's appropriate for right no. now? Well, no, it's not. Maybe it is an after after hours. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, I wanted to mention that a lot of this listener feedback is actually kind of about last week's episode too. Uh, I think people were still processing sort of the death of Nick and, and stuff like that. So I have another call here from Paul. Hi guys, it's Paul from Weston in the UK. Um, yeah, just thinking about the death scene with Nick. Um, it was a really good scene. You're right. It was very sort of cinematic, well acted. But my only problem with it is that Nick was shot in the chest. They all know that. And yet no one was on the lookout. (laughs) They were all standing over Nick, obviously looking concerned and sad. And Alicia just walked off a little bit and had a little look around. But for all they know, there's someone out there with a gun. They don't know it's a little girl. They don't know it's only one person. And yet they're all standing there with their guard down looking at Nick. No one's taking cover. No one's looking around. No one's taking point. It just seemed a little bit like they knew because they've read the script that this was a little girl that did this and that it's not much danger to them. Um, But they didn't know that. So that bugs me a little bit. But the rest of the scene was really good. Um, Sad to see Nick go, but I think for the show, it can go in a different direction. Um, Alicia can hopefully become the main lead. I think she's terrific. Uh, She's been there from the beginning. And as far as we know, She's the only one now that's been there from the beginning because we don't know where Madison is. So it's a very exciting twist for the show and good to see that they've killed off a main character for a change. Thanks a lot, guys. Great show. Keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks very much, Paul. And and first of all, I want to agree that I think Alicia's fantastic too. She's been killing it this, this season, even in this kind of slightly dumber episode, <laughs> if that's <laughs> a word I, I can use to describe it. But um uh, so that would be cool. Um, but what do you what do you think about the 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 thought that Nick gets shot clearly by somebody, and nobody seems to be worried about the gunman still being around? I know we did sort of see her run away. Alicia sees the sees the the kid Charlie run away, um, but that doesn't mean there isn't somebody there, somebody else there too, hiding with a gun. Yeah, I mean, get your head out of your asses, people. Uh, there's a gunman out there, a known killer. So uh, take a little precaution. Sure. They don't know. The only re- he, you know, Paul's absolutely right. The only reason they know that it's a little girl and that she ran off is that they all read the script. Yeah. I, the the thing about it though is, I think it it may have been slightly unrealistic that they were they were not a little bit more. Had, they didn't have their guard up a little bit more. But at the same time, the scene was about the emotion of Rick di- and Rick. Damn, I do that like every couple episodes. The emotion of Nick dying, and I can forgive them for sort of writing it that way and for having the characters be more focused on his death scene than worrying about who's still in the area. But if right. this were real life, then yeah, you'd want to be a little bit more careful and and not everyone else get shot in the back while they're hunched over poor Nick who's dying on the ground. So um, I think the show did kind of try to explain it by showing us that Alicia saw the girl running away. 
and that was enough to convince her that she was there on her own and there was no more threat. I guess so. So there you go. Uh, but all right, Rick on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that? Fear the Walking Dead really knows how to execute a major character death. Everyone involved, writers, director, actors, and special effects knocked it out of the park. The moment came out of nowhere and was not forecast. In fact, I think I had the same look on my face that Nick did when he got shot. A look of shock and disbelief. The special effects were realistic and not over the top. Frank Delane did a great job representing someone uh, grasping for basic survival mode. Instead of crying and saying, Alicia, I love you, or some other sappy line, he gasped for breath, swallowed blood, and his eyes wandered looking for help. Very realistic and scary. Great job, fear. Yeah, that was a nice uh, scene. Well, it wasn't a nice scene, but it was a very well-executed scene. Yeah, it, it just reiterates that uh, Rick's email here does that everyone else, that everyone involved did a, did a good job. And uh, they didn't go for the cheese factor in any way. They just took this death seriously and, and did a great job with it. So, yeah, very cool. Uh, all right. We got one more call and <laughs> it comes from Enbizzy. On the internet, I apologize <laughs> if I'm really messing that up. N B I Z Z Y. <laughs> that's yeah, I'm busy. That's what I got. Uh, here it is. Holy crap, guys! Did you see they killed Nick? He was the best character or best original character from Fear the Walking Dead, and they just killed him just like that, and killed by that turncoat of a kid. Ungrateful. But that's okay. I'm so upset. I'm, I congratulate them for having me actually invested in the show. But that upset me and it actually brought tears to my eyes. But I'm just ticked that they killed him off. And we could do without his mom. Take her out, but keep him because he was the best original character. <sighs> Anywho, okay, love the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So this call, Jason, brought up the thought in my brain, anyways, about the the sort of balls it takes for the show to kill off Nick like this. And I, it's kind of I felt sort of the same way when they did it with Travis last year. Um, now, if you take out the fact that we know that Frank Delane asked to get off the show, asked to have his character killed off because he wanted to go do other things. If you forget that for a moment, do you think that the um, willingness to kill a character like this, who is a favorite and who's been a, a big important part of the show from day one, do you think that kind of bold decision makes the show better or does it hurt the show because they're losing such a great component of it? Uh, or or is it both? I don't... Okay, so I, uh, there's two separate questions there, right? So there's... Uh, does it make it a... You know... No, I don't think it makes it a worse show uh, because we've had some pretty solid additions to the cast this season. We've had one crossover and uh, three uh, new characters, four or five new characters that have been... Uh, added which are all seem pretty solid characters yep you know garrett dillahunt to be the uh, the biggest and the baddest and the best of those uh but we've had uh so I, I think the cast is still pretty solid 
and uh, having you know losing a major character, I don't think hurts the show. Mm-hmm. Does it make it a a better show or more ballsy show? I don't know if I can separate that from uh, from him asking to leave the show because it's not the show's balls that come into play here. Yeah, fair enough. I'm I I don't think in reality you really can separate those two things. But what I kind of was getting at is. When a show kills a big character like this, does it kind of trick us into thinking that it's it's a, a better show because it's kind of a daring thing to do? It's like, here's your lead character. We just killed him off. Um, and And I think that appeals to people in a way and it makes you think, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. This is this is great. You know, how how exciting is this? They killed off a main character. And I'm not saying that I, I think we are overpraising fear this season because I genuinely think the first three episodes of season four were all really good, but a little part of me, it sneaks in. And after listening, listening to in busy's call here, a little part of me thinks, yeah, they killed Nick. That's a huge deal. But, and does it change my opinion of the show overall? Because it is such a big deal. And I'm not sure. I just feel like it might for some people. Uh, I guess it might. It doesn't change my opinion. I think it's a great show, and I think it continues to be a a, a good show. And the fact that they killed him off is uh is excellent. Yeah, it, I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that they they didn't have to let him out of his contract if they didn't want to. I guess right? not. He probably has a contract for five seasons or whatever, what have you. Your standard six season of the pilot gets six seasons if your pilot gets picked up, kind of thing. <laughs> that's, look at the law, or not the loss, but the uh, the Friends cast. After you know, you get in, get in a pilot episode, and you're like super excited about a TV show being picked up, and then you're stuck in a crappy contract for a bunch of years until you can renegotiate. You know, and he asked to be let out of his contract, and they went, yeah. So that's a kind of a ballsy thing. I guess so. I guess. I I suppose, but I'm just saying, like, it's, you don't, it can be difficult to recognize when you're being manipulated. And is this kind of, does this kind of thing manipulate the audience a little bit? I don't know. Uh, I, I personally, I mean, I don't think so because let's, if I somehow could pretend I didn't know he wanted to be let out of the contract, uh, I would just tell myself, well, this is the story they're trying to tell, and it involved Nick dying, and it involved Travis dying, and for all we know, it has involved Madison dying now, which leaves only Alicia. So, you know, those things, I think, are big, important deaths, and they change the show, but I do think for some people, it probably would confuse them into just being so surprised that they are sort of like, this This is amazing, I can't, you know, this is better than it actually is. It's hard to say. It is it may be impossible to say, but sort of what I started thinking about when everyone started reacting to to the sort of dis, with disbelief that they they've killed Nick. So, well, at least they, they did kill Nick, right? They didn't fuck with us and not kill Nick. So yeah. that's good. Well, it, that, that that I have to give them props for. That's that's I you know, I can even give them a not slow clap. I really applaud that. Yeah. Well, good for you. Um, and they've done this in the almost the greatest way possible when you think about it, because they're not screwing around with us like they did with the Glenn dumpster thing. Yet Nick still gets to be on the show a little bit. He's dead and he gets to be on the show. Amazing. Yeah. 
So you get the best of both worlds. We do for the next little while anyways. So it's like in uh sorry to spoil the first season of Six Feet Under, but uh, you know, like the father dies in the pilot episode. He still shows up in the rest of the goddamn series, but uh he you know, he dies. Doesn't mean he's dead. No, I guess not. When you well, die. that doesn't mean his character's not on the show. Right. That's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could mention another shocking death in another TV show, but I won't do that because it is considered one of the great TV spoilers of all time, and I'm not going to not going to do that to people. So, was it was it Jr. Uh, no, like, who shot Jr. <laughs> but he didn't die, did he? No, he didn't. That's a whole that's a whole different take on that hey, sort of. You thing. You know what's weird? I don't know what you're talking about. You don't? Uh, well, I'm going to feel stupid later because it's obvious. It's like the aliens coming down and me not seeing seeing them. Oh, but uh, right now I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, I thought you meant you didn't know what the JR thing was. But anyways, you do oh, know no, that. JR thing I got. I don't know who you're talking about the great spoilery death well, of all time TV I, show thing. I am not going to say it because people will uh, go berserk if I re- re- reveal that one. Anyways. Was it Gilligan? Did Gilligan die and I not know? I don't think so. Gilligan's Island? I never saw all of every episode of Gilligan's Island. So maybe he did in one of them that I missed. I have them. I'll send them to you. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you to those of you who called and wrote in. Uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. So if you'd like to contact us, by all means, visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top to record a message for us. You can also do that on your phone and just email it. That's a great way to do it as well. That email address would be talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. We'll be back next week when we talk about the next episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Sounds like that one's going to be all about John Dory. So I'm looking forward to it, Jason. Yar. <laughs> he's not a pirate. He's a cowboy. I was actually thinking of uh, one of the... Uh... The gunslinger books, there's uh, the one of the towns that they go to, their phrase they use is Yar Bugger. Okay. A, a very affirmative yes. So I was actually thinking of Yar Bugger, but I didn't want to say that on the air. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you have twice. All right. Thank you so much for that, Jason. And uh, thanks everyone else for tuning in. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. I can count on one hand how many times I've been to Chernobyl. 14. I've been been there 14 times. <laughs> All right, that's not so bad. <laughs> no, it's not so bad. <laughs>